Oh, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just pour out your anointing today on Christy as she shares. Father, cause every word to just come directly from your presence. Thank you, Jesus. And we release that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Amen. Amen. What a precious December we've had together. Amen. Focusing on the identity of Jesus and the worship all these last weeks has been focusing on the glory of Jesus. And I'm just so blessed to be in this family. I'm blessed that you're my family. I'm blessed that you're Jesus lovers. And this morning, I just want to spur us on in that. I, I want to give a word. This, this is my word for 2023. So I won't give a word at the New Year's service. This will be my word for 2023. This is my encouragement to you, my family. And uh, during, the, during the busyness of December, I feel the, the goodness of the Father in the midst of the busyness. Every December, he draws me in to, to gaze at the, the humility of Jesus. Have you felt that this month? To gaze at the, the humility of Jesus, to come, to be Emmanuel, to be with us. And uh, last week, or this week with the youth, we, we watched part, that, The Chosen, uh, the, special of Chris, the Christmas special uh, that features the, the journey of Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem and, and the humanity of that moment and, and the dirt and the shock that I'm going to give birth to a baby where, where animals eat and, and just this, the, the raw presentation of how human that moment was, yet how glorious that moment was. And he draws me into that place every December. Look at my, think about what Mary was thinking. Think about the glory, yet the humility. And, and last week, Paul did a great job. I felt like he gave us a tool. Not only he shared the good news of the gospel, but he gave us a tool of how to share the gospel by using the wholeness of Scripture. If you didn't get to see it, go and watch. And the children were in here, and he's our children's pastor, so it was presented in a way that was so simple that children could grasp that Jesus shows up all through the Bible, from the beginning to the end. How does the Old Testament set the stage and foreshadow Christ's birth and death and resurrection and reign? And how does the wholeness of Scripture show us and reveal who Jesus is? And it made me hungry. I went home hungry after Paul's sermon. But if we're not careful in this season, we can easily see Jesus as an event. If we don't have that mindset, we can easily see Jesus as an event. He's not an event. He's the main character and I just want to go over a couple of these because I think this is so exciting. Who do you think ate with Abraham? Who do you think Samson's parents saw when the fire, when the fire shot up from the altar? Who do you think Isaiah saw on the throne with the train of his robe filling the temple? Who do you think touched Jeremiah's mouth and said, I'm appointing you to go to nations and kingdoms? This is Jesus. Who was the burning man with Ezekiel? This is Jesus. Who from the waist down looked like a burning flame? This is Jesus. The Old Testament is really exciting, people. Who was the fourth man in the fire? This is Jesus. He's so much more than a baby in a manger. I've had that song, that Misty Edwards song going through my mind that the dance team used a number of years ago. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross. And he didn't stay in the grave. And he's not staying in heaven forever. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. Would you pray with me? Put your hands out or put your hands on your heart. Right now, Jesus, we position our hearts to be awakened to your identity. If there's anything in us that's asleep to you, wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up that when we sing the words, behold him, 
He who is and was and is to come. When we sing these words we sang this morning, there would be no part of us that doesn't agree. Wake us up, Holy Spirit, this morning. Wake us up. Amen. These last few weeks, I've been hearing in my heart the simple question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say I am? And as many of you know, this moment when he asked the question was pivotal for the disciples. They, specifically Peter, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And many Bible teachers and church leaders actually believe right now they're calling this the question for our time. Who do you say that I am? The question for our time. If you want to turn with me to Matthew 16, we're going to go there in a moment. And I just want to talk about why is this important? Why is it important that we be able personally to answer the question, Who are you, Jesus? It's important because your whole life, your daily routine, everything you do, and your eternity hinges on your answer to that question. The truth of who Jesus is, it's at the core of our faith. It's how we read scripture. It's how we, it's how we pray. It's how we live. It shapes how I see the world. Jesus, you are not an accessory. You are not a, just a reason for the season. Jesus, you are the core of my faith. And, and it's, it's important because we live in a cultural climate. This is what I feel we need to be awakened to. We live in a climate where people can decide their own reality. But reality, truth, is, is it's not what I think it personally to be. It's not a personal feeling. It's not a personal opinion. It's not a personal fantasy. Truth is that which most certainly is. Truth is, Webster defines it as the body of real things, events, facts, actuality. And there's an actuality to Jesus. So the question is not, who is Jesus to you? That's not the question. The question is not, who do you interpret Jesus to be? Who do you picture him to be? Who do you need him to be for your life? The, the question is, who is he really? We don't get to, I don't get to go and shop around for the kind of Jesus that I want. Jesus is and he was and he is to come. There's an actuality to him. I can't say it any, any different way. And we need to wake up and be aware that if we're pursuing the truth of who he is, we won't be swept into and deceived by the secular humanism and, and even paganism that's filling our culture. Filling our culture. Get on Facebook for five minutes with people you know and love. Secular humanism is filling our culture. How do we prepare our heart to know what's true? And I, feel, I felt a weightiness this week and a call for the bride and the church that we would commit that this would be our 2023 commitment to turn to him, to pursue him, to have singular vision that we would be able to answer that question. I'm not going to stop until I can answer the question, who you are. Who do I say you are, Jesus? Who are you? So take me to your word. Reveal your character to me. Examine my heart. Jesus, highlight anything, any misconception I have of you. Wake me up. Highlight confusion in me, Jesus. Wake me up. Two weeks ago, Kelly used this phrase as she preached, Wake us up to your glory, Jesus. Wake us up to your goodness, to your authority. Jesus, reveal yourself. Reveal yourself to me so that all of the whispers, the against Christ whispers, the anti-Christ whispers that fill our culture, that those whispers would not affect my view of you, Jesus. 
that I be so solid in my view of you. I don't want to take my cues from a loud against Christ culture. Is there anything in me that's taking my cues from people who don't take their cues from you? We are a community of Jesus followers. We are not a community of come and learn how to live your best life. Come and learn how to be a good person or how to get all your needs met. Come and find out how to have self-confidence. We are a community centered around Jesus and his identity as the Son of God. And if that's not central, then the church is floundering toward humanism. You see how important this is? It's so important. Jesus, that your identity would be central to everything we do. The revealing of Jesus as king, his character, his nature, that is what we need most. Most. Out of everything we need, that's the one thing we need. That's our 2023 call. As you define yourself, Jesus. Amen? Not as a human tries their hardest to define you. Not as a preacher on TikTok defines you. Because they're preachers, by the way. Everybody's preaching right now. They're either preaching this or they're preaching a humanist gospel. It's not good news, by the way. It's not good. Jesus, I I don't want to base how I see you on how the greatest minds see you. I want to base how I see you on how you define yourself. Amen? In A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, I probably quote this every other time I preach. He says this right at the beginning of the book. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is either pure or base, which means morally low. Worship is either pure or dishonorable as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Just as her most significant message is what she says about him or leaves unsaid. For her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. 2023 is the year of our declaration of Jesus. Is there anything in me, Jesus? That balks at speaking of you? Is there anything in me, Jesus, that's ashamed of you in any way? He's going to reveal that to us as we ask him those questions. He asks us, who do you say I am? Let's look at Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to put little things in. Because I think I need to stop right there, and I need to say, Jesus, this term, son of man, this is the the most consistent term he referred himself as. It's important. The son of man, when he uses that term, the Jewish men that he was standing with would have known exactly what he was referring to. And it was Daniel chapter 7 prophecy of the Messiah. Not just the the one who would come, but the one who will return. The prophecy of the Messiah that says this, To him was given dominion and glory and the kingdom, that's what Daniel chapter 7 says, that all peoples and nations and languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. So when Jesus says, son of man about himself, that's what he's saying, and they knew it. Who do you say the Son of Man is? It's a Messiah title. The one who has dominion. And then the other thing that's important to note here is I love biblical geography. Who loves biblical geography? It's awesome. It's awesome. This is not a little side note when it says Jesus is entering the district of Caesarea Philippi. This is important that we know this. This region was 18 miles out of the way for them. 
Jesus was ministering mostly in Galilee. This was a purposeful walk he was taking with his disciples. It's located, Caesarea Philippi is at the base of Mount Hermon. And studying the history of Mount Hermon is a whole other sermon. Go study the history of Mount Hermon. It's, it's amazing. But it was at the base of Mount Hermon, which is the highest peak in ancient Israel. And, it, and this was the mountain that Baal worshippers called the Mountain of Baal. It's interesting that in the next chapter, most scholars believe that mountain is where Jesus took the three disciples and they experienced getting to witness his transfiguration. Whoa. Everyone in Jesus' day would have known what Caesarea Philippi was. It was an ancient center of Baal worship, and they called it the place of the serpent. Where's my deliverance team? At Caesarea Philippi, there was a rock platform area, and it was in front of a huge cliff. If you have that picture of the, of the cave, let's put that cave picture up. This is Caesarea Philippi. There's the, the rock platform. It's right in front of the cave. And in that cave is an ancient spring that is the mouth of the Jordan River. That's where the Jordan River comes from. And everybody would have known what was taking place in Caesarea Philippi. This was a completely pagan place. Jews didn't live here. I don't think Jews would even probably want to go. This had been, become the center of a shrine to the Roman and Greek god Pan that the pagans believed to be the fertility god of the world. And it was, it was a central place where they would gather. And their name for that cave was the Gate of Hades. Because they believed that in the winter, Pan and other gods would enter, go down into the deep place, and spend the winter in Hades. And then in the spring, they did everything they could to entice him to come back out and fertilize the earth. Now you can imagine that if this is considered their fertility god, the rituals that are taking place on this platform were dark and immoral and chaotic, and that's what everybody knew was happening in Caesarea Philippi. It was a dark, evil place and would probably be like the red light district, and devout Jews would not go. So, we, so Jesus like, let's go to Caesarea Philippi. And he's standing what I believe, when I look at the next picture, which is an artist rendering from archaeological studies, there's the cave behind the, the temple that they built to pan. I believe that he would have walked right through. This was the, there's the main gate. I believe he would have walked right through. And everybody, that was central. Everybody would have seen that if they were coming into the city. So I think Jesus and his disciples were in, within visual. And so let's read verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that was a plural pronoun, you. He wasn't just having a side conversation with Peter. He's asking all of them, who do you say that I am? He's checking something here. I wonder if they've had a personal revelation of me. I wonder if they're just going to repeat things that they've heard or if there's a personal revelation in there yet. And Simon replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answers him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't you love when a teacher gives visual? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now I just want to think for a minute how powerful of a moment this was. This wasn't a side conversation. This was a purposeful trip. Jesus knew that there was a spiritual declaration being made in that moment. He knew that there was 
unseen things happening in that moment. There's pagan worship taking place at the mouth of that cave, the gate of Hades. It's a demonic dark place. And this conversation shines light in a dark place. It begins to shift the spiritual atmosphere of Caesarea Philippi. And later in Acts 10, we see it's here that Peter comes to meet Cornelius, one of the first Gentile believers. On this rock of revelation, Peter, on this rock of you knowing I'm the Messiah, I'm going to build my church. So many meanings in what Jesus said. But they're looking at pagan people doing dark, evil things. And Jesus is prophesying that even those people will be part of the church. So what happens in Caesarea Philippi, we know the story. Peter goes to Cornelius' home, shares a vision that he's had, starts preaching the gospel. And while he's preaching the gospel, the spirit of the Lord falls on Cornelius, non-Jews, and the people that are gathered with him, they start speaking in tongues and praising God. And right there, Peter baptizes. I wonder if he baptized. Woo! In that water. Just saying. And the Jewish believers that were with Peter couldn't believe. Gentiles have the Holy Spirit poured out on them. This is a new thing. Guys, that was Caesarea Philippi. Whoa! So when Peter declares, when he says to, to Jesus, when he answers, you are the Christ, this as a Jewish man, this is what he was saying to him. He was saying, you are the one the prophets spoke about. You are the promised Messiah. You are the promised one that would come from the seed of David and sit on the throne and rule in Jerusalem, the one who will establish your glory on the earth, you're the Messiah. Jesus, you're the focus of all history. He's telling him that in that moment with that one phrase. There's no one like you. And Jesus says, this could only be revealed to you by the Spirit of God. So here's my question for us this morning. What do you really believe about Jesus? Are you repeating good things? Are you reiterating things you've heard? Or have you come to a place where you're feeding on him? Feeding on knowing him? Eating his body, drinking his blood? Do you only believe in him because you've found really good convincing podcasts to listen to? Those are good, but that's agreement. That's not personal revelation, that's agreement. And there's more for us, church. There's more for us than just agreeing with something that gets us all riled up inside. There's more for us, it's personal revelation. Well, I go on Sundays and I found a place that has good preaching and I agree with it. And that's good, brother. That's good. That was a guy. I got my fix for the week. But who do you say? Who do you say he is? We have to have revelation that can only come from the Father. I want that. Flesh and blood didn't reveal to me. Mysteries of the kingdom. Why is it so important? You know, it was only 50, less than 50 years after Jesus ascended that Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 is already warning the believers. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, he says, But I fear somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Verse 4, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Less than 50 years. And Paul says, Here's, there's another thing happening here. Jesus is being preached, but they're calling it Jesus. And it's not Jesus. It's a different spirit. It's a different gospel. It's not Jesus the creator. It's not the, the Hebrews 1 passage that Kelly used two weeks ago. It's not 
the brightness of the Father's glory. It's not Jesus who is the image of the invisible God, who was there in the beginning, the creator God, rejoicing over his creation. The Son of God who radiates with the glory of the Father. It's not that Jesus being preached. The one who expresses the very character of God. So what does he say? He says, I fear somehow your pure and undivided devotion will be corrupted. We start listening to those whispers, to those lies. When we have not been with him, we start doubting his very deity. It's strong right now. I don't know if you felt it, but there's a spirit of doubt that hangs on the against Jesus information. And if you start eating those messages, there will be a seed put in you that you don't want in you. Purity. We ask for purity this morning, Jesus. Everything that's not of you cleansed out of us, Jesus. Every word about you that doesn't belong cleansed out of us this morning. After the writer of Hebrews spends that first chapter declaring who Christ is, here's the first line of Hebrews 2, next chapter, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. And I'm going to put in my own interpretation here. To what we've heard is not whose teaching did you hear. What has your heart heard from his heart? What have you heard lest we drift away? What have you read about him that your heart has resonated with? And the Spirit has revealed Jesus to you through his word, lest we drift away. Brothers and sisters, get in the word. (laughs) Holy Spirit, take us to the places where Jesus talks about himself. Reveal who Jesus really is. Ask him. Let him Let that be a normal part of your day. I'm hoping that this, we're being awakened to that this is a daily thing. Lest we drift away. This is a daily thing. Here's, what it's, here's what's at stake. Let's go back to Matthew 16. The church being fruitful and walking in authority. That's what's at stake. Verse 17. Let's go back to 17. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter... And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, on this personal revelation, I'm going to build a bride. That church, those people with personal revelation of me, will not, the gates of hell will not prevail against. In fact, they will storm the gates of hell. And at this moment, what did Jesus do? He renamed Simon. He renamed him. He said, you're Peter. As we go after Jesus' name, Messiah, Son of God, Messiah, Son of Man, as we go after his name, what happens? We get a new name. Simon turned into Peter. Simon means the one who hears. Peter means a stone. So he went from being just one who's hearing it to one who's solid in it. A stone. The name Peter is Petros. But when Jesus said, on this rock, he said, on this Petra, I'll build. So he said, Peter, you're a stone. And on this Petra, rock of revelation of me, I'll build my church. I tell you, Simon... This only came from the Father. So this is our call. What are you saying, Father, of your son Jesus? What are you saying, Father, of your son Jesus? That's where my identity is found. My identity, my new name is not in self-help curriculum. 
my new name and my confidence and my freedom from fear of darkness, my freedom from all that stuff they were seeing, from being afraid of the darkness, from being afraid of what's coming in in this world. My freedom from that is only found in his name. It's not found in when I figure out which personality number I am. My freedom, my identity, my new name is because of his name. You want confidence? Look at him. You want to figure out what your gifts are and what you're supposed to be doing? Look at him. Our identity is found in the secret place of knowing him. And from that solid foundation, verse 19... I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Who wants keys? The keys of the kingdom of heaven, a supernatural anointing to pray. Binding and loosing. It's a life of prayer. It's a life of declaration with confidence in Jesus. How do you intercede at the throne, Jesus? You're always making intercessions for us. How do you pray? How do I pray? Because of how you pray. What do you value? I want to value it, right? It's not just knowledge of him. It's confident, intimate knowing. And then heaven backs up what we bind and loose. This church will have kingdom keys. We'll be able to stand in the midst of the darkest places knowing there are future Christ followers here. Those people doing all that immoral stuff, appealing to a pagan God, those people are future Christ followers. Son of God. Son of God, reveal yourself to me. Give me that confidence. Well, we know what happens in the next few verses. <laughs> Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The New Living says, you're not, you are seeing things from a human point of view, not God's. Wow, he's just had this beautiful moment with Peter. This renaming. Peter's probably like, I I've arrived. Peter, you've received something you can only get from the Father. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You have your mind on earthly things. All Peter's trying to do is to remind Jesus of who Messiah is supposed to be. Look, I've studied this from the time I was a boy. Jesus, this is Messiah. You're going to have glory. You're going to have majesty. You're not going to be the one killed. You're going to be the warrior, Jesus. And Jesus says, that's a fleshly mindset. You don't understand what wisdom is, Peter. The cross is wisdom. Death and resurrection is how my kingdom works. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, this is in Matthew But in the Mark account, it says at that moment, calling the crowd to join his disciples. Whoa. So he's probably speaking in a pretty loud voice. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus is giving a lecture on Christianity 101. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 
Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he's done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Here's what following me looks like, Peter. Prepare yourself for death. You want my kingdom? You want to be the church with the keys that storms the gates of hell? Die. Die to self. Lose your life. Embrace the cross. Lay down your life. The daily cross is how my kingdom advances, Peter. Do what I do if you want glory. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Be aware. Wake up, church. There's other Jesuses being presented. Even in churches all over the world. A lot of times we say in the Western church. All over the world, there are other Jesuses being presented. The Jesus of the Bible is more than just a good man who came to help me live my best life and give me blessings. He is asking me to take up a cross. He's asking me that in my personal time, my, my time, my money, my sexuality, my expectations, my desires, my self-image, to die. That is not a popular message, which is why other Christs are being formulated and presented Earlier, when Jesus had called his disciples at the beginning of the book, he says, if you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. So Jesus is expecting, Peter's heard this. He's heard this. But if you give up your life for me, you're going to find it. I've been teaching them this. I want you to get it. So this time, he's just going to call the whole crowd. Maybe if I say it louder to a number of pagan people, it will wake up my own disciples. And then in, in, back in Matthew 16, verse 27, this is the first reference in the New Testament where Jesus references his return. Verse 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he's done. So when I come, Jesus is saying, there will be salvation for those who take their cross, and follow me, and there will be punishment for the ones who reject this. Christianity 101. Holy Spirit, wake us up. Wake us up. How do we pursue personal revelation of Jesus? How do we fall in love with all of Jesus? All of him. Not just the parts we prefer. How can we know what he's like? How do I learn to value what he values? He's found in all of Scripture, not just the Gospels. I probably said that three times already. His heart, his values, his glory is found from the beginning to the end. And the Holy Spirit, the, the Word says, searches out the deep things. So I become best friends with the Holy Spirit who searches out the deep things of God and gives it to me like food. The deep things. Who is Jesus, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit loves revealing Jesus. Who is Jesus? So I want to recommend to us, this is part of my word for 2023, my challenge. I want to recommend to us this morning that you start spending time meditating on the descriptions of Jesus and his spoken words in the book called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. The literal translation of that word revelation is from the Greek, and it means disclosure of truth. Laying bare the manifestation of, the appearance of, the revelation of Jesus. 
right? It, it seems that by how we look at that book sometimes, we might think the title is The Revelation of Very Strange Things I Cannot Understand. Now let's read. The Revelation of Satan. The Revelation of the Antichrist. The Revelation of Things Only Scholars Should Be Studying. It's the revelation of Jesus. And it's the only book that promises a threefold blessing. It says in verse 3 of Revelation 1, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. Blessed is the one who listens, hears its message, and blessed is the one who obeys it. Another version says, Values keeps three blessings so my kids might get tired of me reading this book but they're going to be blessed and we're reading it out loud no wonder the enemy's done everything he can to keep us out of this book to label it weird to label it divisive you can't to label it as something you can't understand so just go and focus on the clearer things this is not just for scholars, it's for us. It's, this book is full of glory, the glory of Jesus. It's 22 chapters pointing to a glorious Savior who is and was and is to come, pointing to our bridegroom, our king, our judge, who will remove everything that hinders love. These things are important for us to understand so that when the sweeping message of secular humanism comes at us, we already know Jesus is these things. We don't get offended with the fact that he is a judge. I've meditated. I've looked at him. I'm not just picking the part of him I want. The Jesus who will return to this earth in glory and reveal himself to the entire world as Lord... And usher in a new heaven and a new earth. This is our Jesus. On Friday at our Ascend service that we have in here the third Friday of every month. But not in January because it's the Kingdom Conference. But in February, the third Friday of every month, we're in here. And this Friday we, were, we opened Revelation 1. We just started declaring to him who he is. And I, this morning, as I was preparing, I had a picture of our Ascend team on the stage with me. Our Ascend prayer team and Anita, if you want to come up. And here's what I want to do in these last few minutes. I want us to open to Revelation chapter 1 and declare to him who he is. And all we're doing is we're practicing something that we do on our own at home. So if you want to open to Revelation 1, I just want us to take turns. We're going to read it, and I just want us to take turns at Farling Kelly as we read out of this description of Jesus. And I just want whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to us as we read about him, us to just declare. And we're, this isn't a show, so I want to hear verbal declaration coming from my family. What does he reveal to you? You speak it out, you declare it, you agree with him. So here we go, Revelation 1. I'm going to give you this one. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Jesus, thank you that you love your church. Grace and peace to you from the one who is and always was and who is still to come. Do we have another mic down there by? I want another mic that you guys just jump in, just speak over me. Okay. Grace and peace to you from the one who is and was is to come. There's grace and peace available to me from a, a throne. 
directly from the throne. Jesus is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all kings of the world. Yes, Jesus, you're the faithful witness. Others tried to be a witness of the Father, but you were faithful to be yeah. a, a true witness to who the Father really is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All glory to him who loves us, who's freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Yes, yes, yes. Glory. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are the beginning. You are the end. You're in the middle. Thank you, Father. God, give us a revelation of who you are as the alpha and the omega in our lives. You see our beginning and you see our end. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We rest in that, Lord. We yes. rest in that. You are the beginning and the end. Mm. And all things in between. Mm. Look. I'm going to go back to six. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Yes, Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Another version says, yes, it will happen. When amen. I, Ooh, when I turn to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands, and walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like a son of man, wearing a full-length robe with a golden sash over his chest. His hair, his head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were gleaming like bright metal, Lord, you're the one who's on fire. You're the one who is glorious. You're glowing. You're radiant. Your splendor is radiant. God, we just invite that splendor. We invite that radiance. Lord, we behold. Yes. We turn our eyes to behold, to behold you in your splendor, God. Yes. We see you walking among the seven yes. golden lampstands. That's the church. That's the church. You're walking among the golden lampstands. That's the church. You're visiting your church, God, because you're glorious. You're glorious. You're glorious. And we behold your splendor. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Standing in the middle of the lampstands. Jesus, I want to value what you value. Yes. You stand in the middle of your church. Yes. Yes. You choose that place. That's right. yes. You don't pull away from us when we're not spotless. No, you're there. You value the church. You oh, God, remain. if there's anything in me mm. that pulls away when I see mm. something that Glorious. frustrates me, Show me how to value what you value, Jesus. You're right there, Jesus, in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Lord, we look directly into your eyes of fire. Lord, that you see everything in us, God. We ask you to burn away that which is not pleasing to you, Lord. Let your yes. eyes of fire bore into us, Father. God, they're eyes of tremendous compassion and love. It's the commending love, God, that changes us. And we thank you, God. We thank Jesus. you that we can gaze directly into your eyes of fire, Lord. Yes, we look up. We look up. We look up. We behold you. We look up. We look up. We behold you. Soften our hearts, Lord. Yes. Invite us to look in those eyes. Yes. This is what's happening right now. It's an invitation yes. to make this your pattern. Mm. 
Those eyes are full of fire. There's a sword coming out your mouth. It divides what doesn't belong from my spirit. Yes, 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 Lord. There's a word here in this place with you, Jesus, that I need. There's a worldview in this place that I need, Jesus. I heard his reassuring voice saying, don't yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end. The living one, I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. Lord, that's your reassuring voice. Yeah. Your reassuring voice has been released for Ooh. us. That we don't have to yield to fear. Yes. That you are the beginning and the end. You hold our circumstances. You hold the nations. Oh, God, you hold the nations in your hands. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We rest in you, Jesus. I want to do this since we're having so much fun. This is what I, what I like to do, too. Chapter 4, because I'm a musician, maybe this is more exciting for me, but it should be exciting for all of us. So there's these songs that are happening in heaven all the time. And what I like to do is look at the songs, and if there's anything in me that doesn't agree, if there's any thought in my mind of Christ or of his kingdom or of his church, that doesn't agree with the songs that are being sung of him without end, then I ask him to help my life line up with these songs. So, for chapter 4, it says, There's living beings, and day after day and night after night, they're around the throne, and they keep saying this, Holy, 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 do repetitive songs bother you? Get ready. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was, who is, and is to come. Does that mean, Jesus, that you weren't created? Yes. You always have been, Jesus. You always will be. You are now with me. Holy. Yes. Jesus, you are transcendent. You are far above all created things. You're blameless and pure. Lord, things can go wrong in this world, but we can't blame you, God. We can't blame you yeah. because you're holy. Mm. You're holy, holy, holy. We bless the Holy One. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, O oh Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. All of heaven, Jesus, is singing of you being creator. I will not doubt that, Jesus. I will not allow a word of doubt of you being creator to come in. The result would be a Romans 1 result. If I doubt this song that's being sung in heaven, a Romans 1 result that says you turned them over to the darkness of their own thinking. You are creator, Jesus. You are creator, Jesus. Lord, we come into agreement with this song being sung around your throne. Lord, we want to be in full agreement with what's happening in heaven. Yes. And these songs that are being sung, Lord, let our hearts resonate with what's going on there, God. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, that we would be in full agreement with you, with your kingdom, always. Jesus, worthy are you to take the scroll and break its seals and open it for you. Jesus, were slaughtered 
and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. Do you see how what Jesus was releasing to his disciples was an echo of the song in heaven? The way he spoke was an echo of what was resounding for all the ages about him in heaven. I want to speak like that, Jesus. Worthy. Let's stand up. Thank you, team. Worthy are you, Jesus. All blessing and honor and glory and power belong to you forever. Here's what I want to do. I want to invite you. I believe this is a, this is a moment in your life right now where you decide or maybe renew the decision to gaze at him. What's produced is an anchor of hope. If this is a daily practice, I will be anchored in hope. Quickly, when I don't worship him, I lose my hope. Why? Because of the climate we live in. So what I want you to do right now is put your hand on your head And give him your eyes. Here is my New Year's resolution, Jesus. I give you my eyes. Now, what happens when we filled up our vision center with lesser things? We need repentance and cleansing. And give him your eyes again. It's easy to repent. You turn and you gaze at him. Jesus, if there's anything that we have gazed on, that we've allowed our vision center to be filled with, that would take away from this glory and this hope, We give it back to you, God. I give my vision to you. I give my attention to you. I want to see you this year like I've never seen you. I want to behold you. I want my eyes opened to glorious things and shut to evil things. I want to read this over us. Just stay in that place. Stay in that place. This is Ephesians 1. I didn't put it up there. I just want to read it over us. God, the anointed one, the father of glory, I call out to you on behalf of your people. Give them minds that are ready to receive wisdom and revelation so that they will know you. Open the eyes of their hearts now, Jesus. Right now, Jesus, we ask. Open the eyes of our hearts and let the light of your truth flood in. Shine your light on the hope that you're calling me to embrace. Reveal to them the glorious riches that you're preparing as their inheritance. Let them see the full extent of your power that's at work in those of us who believe. And may it be done according to your might and power. I want to get the prayer team up here, the ministry team. We don't want to end this service without giving you an opportunity to be prayed for. If you need healing in your body, If you need to give your life to Jesus, the one we've talked about for an hour, two hours, sung about, 
If you need to give your life to Jesus, to surrender to him, to make him your king, I invite you to come up to one of these precious ministry teams, and they want to walk you through that. If you need healing in your body, and the last thing that I'm hearing is if you need hope. I believe this time of year can be a very dark time of year for people, a very hopeless time. And if we're not intentional in asking Jesus for hope, we feel that spiritually. So we come. I want you to come. If you need hope, come and and let them pray with you and agree with you to be anchored in hope. So come now. If you need prayer, come. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I'm just going to be honest. I just feel like these altars should be filled. And I don't think these prayer teams are going to mind if you go around them and just find a spot at the altar because this is a divine moment where the grace of God is available to those that will take hold of it. If things have washed over you more than the blood of Jesus, then that's a reason to come forward and to turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord like this is a revelation that you need to receive. Yes, it's about coming into agreement, and these altar teams are open yeah, to pray for you. But, man, these altars, if something in your life has been sweeter than Jesus, if something else has stolen your taste, then I invite you this morning to come and let him be the richest affair. Let him be the sweetest wine. Let him be that thing in you that compels you deeper into relationship with the Lord. Let the blood of Jesus, let the blood of Jesus be the thing that washes over you and not everything that we've been listening to and the media and the, and the volume. If the voice of media is louder than the voice of Jesus in your life, then that's a reason to come to him and just say, God, Lord, we repent. Lord, Lord, if, 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 if even the idea of of, of repentance has grown cold to you, that's a, re, that's a reason to repent. If, 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 if the very thought of, 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 of the cross and picking up that cross isn't something that, that drives you every morning you wake up, then that's a reason to come. That's a reason to come. And just get before the Lord. This revelation is for you. This message is for you. It's for me. And so, Jesus, we just come this morning and we take opportunity of a grace that has been made available this morning for a breakthrough in your life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Will you receive it this morning? Will you receive it? I'm serious. This is an opportunity for the grace of God, for a breakthrough in your relationship with God, for him to carry you into a new level of, uh, a new level of relationship where you, like Christy said, can be a friend of the Holy Spirit. You can be a friend to the Holy Spirit. Oh, God. Lord, we know this from your word, that it says if we obey, that you will call us a friend of God. If we obey, then our joy will be complete in us. Lord, your joy will be complete in us, not ours, but your joy, God. Lord, if we'll obey your commands, Father God. So we thank you this morning in areas where we have been disobedient, we come humbly to you, Father. We come to the throne of grace. We come to our propitiation, Christ Jesus, whose blood that was spilled for us, that we would be able to come even boldly to that throne to receive the grace and mercy that we need in our time. This time, not tomorrow. Please don't make it tomorrow. There are things that will come between now and then. I'm watching the World Cup at 2 o'clock. There are things that will come, right? I'm not saying that isn't God can be in that moment, but but listen, noise will come. Other Jesuses will come. Other gospels will come. And they'll whisper in your ear. But if if the voice of your lover, if the voice of Jesus, the Christ, is the loudest thing, then you will stay on that path. And, Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, this morning. We just come before you, God. Lord, wreck us, Jesus. Wreck us, God. That we would walk on that foundational truth. Forgive us for any closure in our heart to the revelation that you want to bring, Jesus, through your word. 
We ask that. Thank you, Jesus. We want to invite you to go get your kids and bless the children's workers and bring them back into this atmosphere if you want. We're just going to stay. We're going to worship him. We're lifting him up. We're magnifying him as a family. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus.